and welcome everyone to the newest edition of the Nova Caps podcast. We are so glad to have you listening. This podcast is brought to you by the fine people at Nova Caps. You can find us online at novacaps.com or on one of our social media outlets, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm your host, Gabe Mead, and I'm joined once again by Scott Zweibel, Craig Lukey, and George Pasekis. All right, let's get started about talking um, about those first three wins over Philly. George, why don't you give us a rundown of game one? Well, the Capitals, um, they were able to pull this one out. They won the game two to nothing. They, unfortunately, they got into some early penalty trouble, and the Flyers had three first-period power plays, but the Capitals' penalty kill came up, and they were ready to go, and Braden Holtby was strong. Uh, so, and then when they got to the second period, uh, the Caps actually started skating better, and they dominated a little bit more territorially. Uh, with four minutes left in the frame, John Carlson was able to get a power play goal. Uh, he shot the puck from the point, and it kind of t- kind of bounced off a Flyers defender and bounced in past Mason. And uh, the Caps, again, they really were just out shooting. They were out shooting Philly 14-4. to They did not give up a lot of chances against the Flyers. And in the third period, things got a little bit chippy. Uh, Tom Wilson and Wayne Simmons, they they scrapped with each other, and it was actually a good trade-off for the Capitals because Simmons is the, one of the Flyers' leading goal scorers, and, and Wilson was able to get him off the ice late in the game. Uh, just the Capitals continued their effort through the, sec- through the second period into the third. They just did not give up a lot of shots. And uh, the Capitals were actually able to get a goal late. Marcus Johansson made a nice play at center ice, and he was able to strip the puck from Jake Voracek. And uh, he skated the puck in the zone, found Jay Beagle in between the hash marks, and the Capitals went up two to nothing. Um, the the third period, once again, it was chippy. Uh, the Flyers forward Braden Shen had a late hit on Carl Alsner at the right as the time expired, and earlier Shen had a questionable hit against Mike Richards in the game. Uh, the Capitals only gave up four shots in the third period, four shots in the second period, and they just cruised late in the game or just were able to just play pretty well defensively against uh, the Flyers in this one, and Braden Holpe was able to get the 19-save shutout. So it was a very good game for the Capitals overall defensively and special teams-wise in game one. Yeah, let's let's talk about Holtby for a second. Scott, give me your take on Holtby's play for, through the first three games of the series. Well, it's a lot like we talked about last week on the podcast going into the playoffs. There were a few keys to beating the Flyers, one of them getting strong goaltending from Braden Holtby. And even though I don't think he was really challenged in game one, uh, the defense was able to keep the shots and the chances to the outside. Holtby only had to make a couple flashy saves. Um, that was really one of our keys to the game going into the, into the series, and hope he did a great job standing up to the test in the 19 shots he faced. Um, also in game one, I think the one of your best defenders is the penalty kill, and the Caps took a few bad penalties in period one. They escaped without giving up a goal, and, and they, 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 kept, they kept pushing on on special teams, and that was a big key to game one, was goaltending and special teams. Craig, what's your take on Hopi's play and the defense overall? Holby is 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 definitely doing uh, what we've seen all year, and uh, I, I I keep I hate to say this, I keep waiting for him to have an off night. It's just it's just not showing up. Matter of fact, the whole team, I'm waiting for some little slump to happen. But 
um, through these first three games, it's it's just been, you know, I've I've been feeling great. I mean, it's showing the maturity of this team compared to you know previous years in the playoffs. Um, Holpe is just out there; nothing's rattling. I mean, the first game, what he only I think he only had what nineteen shots to deal with. It was pretty light. Uh, but the next night, you know, it was a little heavier. But but he's just doing what he does. Yeah, very consistent play from everybody. I'm I'm loving it. I, I I'm excited. Are you? Oh, <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. I love it. Three zero series lead. I love. I love that. Yeah. Take it any day of the week. Um. Yeah. Holpe's been fantastic. The team finally has something to play for, and it's just nice to see. There's not much else to say about game one. We dominated. Philly could not get any offense going. George, why don't you give us a rundown of game two? Well, the Capitals uh, were able to pull this one out, even though they had a rocky start. Uh, the Flyers came out flying in, the, in this one, literally. And um, <laughs> um, the Capitals did not have much early in the game. Um, although the, it's amazing, the, the Flyers dominated territorially, but the Capitals were the first ones to get on the board. Uh, John Carlson got another power play goal, his second in the series. Uh, he once again shot it from the point, and uh, Marcus Johansson and TJ Oshie basically set up a double screen in front of Mason, and there was no way Mason, he, he was tracking the puck, and he couldn't find it, and the puck ended up going past him. Uh, the Flyers actually got a five-on-three in the period, and they also couldn't convert there. Uh, Braden Holtby made some dazzling saves in this sequence. So the Caps were under a little bit under siege in the first period, but they were able to pull through through uh, strong goaltending and good penalty killing. Uh, in the second period, <laughs> man, who could have seen this coming? Uh, basically, early in the period, Steve Mason actually made one heck of a save on John Carlson. Um, and then on the very next shift, about 30 seconds later, the unthinkable happened, and Steve Mason gave up a goal from well beyond 100 feet. And I, I had to do a double take because it would just it just happened so quick and it was so unexpected. And uh, Jason, basically what happened was Carl Alser was getting the puck out of the f- defensive zone, and Jason Chimera was in the neutral zone, kind of tipped the puck in just as a normal, normal tip in into the zone. And lo and behold, the puck goes in uh, past <laughs> George, Steve Mason. George, pause one second. Scott, you're a goaltender. Have you ever had a goal that bad scored on you? Yes. The answer is definitely yes. It happens. Uh, I feel bad for Mason, but as a Capitals fan, I- I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cry for him. Uh, this was an ugly, ugly goal for any goalie from Wee level to NHL pro. Like you said, George. Alsner dumping the puck down. The Caps were looking for a line change. Chimera was looking to redirect the puck at center ice just to make it a non-icing call. In fact, by the time the puck was in the net behind Steve Mason, everyone on the Caps bench's back was turned to the play. In fact, they had no idea it was a goal until the fans cheered for it being a goal. And and you got to feel bad for Mason. He was looking at the bench. He was looking at his personnel change. He had the one pad down, kind of doing that lazy single pad, should have had his stick between the five hole, and he just took his eyes off the puck. I mean, I'm not going so far as to say it was a 185-foot Vesa Toskala-like 
goal from a few years ago. If you guys know that one, if you don't look it up on YouTube, that's the greatest full ice goal ever scored. But, but, you know, for a Caps fan to see that happen in our building, I think that broke Mason's back. Really, he's played halfway decent in the series, but look at look at what happened in Game 3. Ovechkin's in his head, our power play's in his head. He's, he's not making the dazzling saves Braden Holtby is, and this is a turning point. This fluky, weird, bad bounce, bleeder, 125-foot goal, we will look back at this as the turning point where the Flyers get ugly and the Capitals get amazing. Exactly. If if he doesn't let that goal in, the Flyers came back and scored one pretty soon after, and that would have been a 1-1 game heading into the third. So uh, us having that extra goal for cushioning was kind of helpful for us going into the third. George, tell us about that third period. Oh, uh, well, actually, going back to uh, later in the second, uh, the the Caps, uh, well, the, actually, the Flyers were able to get a response from Jake Borchek. Uh, John Carlson kind of make a, made a weak play, and then Orpa couldn't find the puck in his skates, and the Flyers were actually able to get a responding goal. And then late in the second, Ovechkin actually was able to tally on the power play. It was poor defensive coverage. I mean, he was so wide open uh, with the Flyers' penalty kill. I don't know how you leave the best goal scorer in the league that wide open. So the Capitals were actually up 3-1 to one heading into the third. Uh, in the third period, the Caps were under siege, but Braden Holby was once again up to the task, made a nice save halfway through on Shane Gossespierre, and uh, the Capitals were able to put some icing on the cake with, uh, with Nicholas Backstrom uh, with just a little over two minutes remaining, and he fired a wrist shot past Steve Mason. The Caps were up 4-1. to one. That was all she wrote in, in game two. So our power play was two for two in that game, and our penalty kill was also 100%. Craig, why why are our special teams clicking right now? Uh, I think well, I'm going back to the maturity thing with that. Um, it, we're just consistent in doing what we've done all year. The maturity of the team with with my beloved coach. I, I, I'm going to propose this guy. Yeah. You look at the fly, you look at the Flyers. They had 42 shots on goal. That's crazy. We only had 23. We we're, we're they were hammered. I'm like, oh, I was starting to get nervous. Like, okay, they're gonna top series. But like you said, that fluke goal completely changed everything. You could just see the faces of the Flyers. Um, they're changing. The penalty kill is is amazing. Um, I'm a little concerned about Orpic not being around now. Um, we don't know how long that's going to be. I'm sure we'll get ready to talk about that. Um, but the maturity of this team, the, the Flyers like to draw you in the penalties, as I said in the last podcast. And even though we were in the box a lot, that 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 penalty kill has been consistent. It's amazing. Uh, it's the best right now in the playoffs. I'm feeling good. We're going deep. Starts with the man in between the pipes, Ben Holby. Yeah, it, it works its way out. You know, uh, Holby's got confidence. He's showing some steely-eyed. Uh, some, some real some real huge, huge calm, and that's really working its way to the defense. It's working its way to the power play. It's working its way to the penalty kill. And if you look at the Caps bench, like you said, Craig, Trotz is standing still, same glare, looking out at the ice. He's not nervous. He's not buzzing up and down the bench. He's, he's super calm. I mean, he knows what to execute and what to do out there. You look at the opposite bench, especially – last night i know we'll talk about game three but you look at dave haxtall on the flyers bench he's there he's cruising up and down the bench he's tapping guys he's got to talk in people's ears he looks 
red, flustered. He looks like he's completely come uncomposed. And his team's unraveling in front of him, and I love every second of it. Oh, yeah. Did you all see the crying Michael Jordan face put on Steve Mason's head? <laughs> that, yes. That was, that was a good meme. I liked Ovechkin Island better. Oh, from yeah. The perspective, nothing beats the <laughs> how to not defend the NHL's best goal for. <laughs> that was an amazing picture. He had, he had almost half of our offensive zone. He had just so much ice around him. All right, so George, let's go to game three. Well, the Flyers were obviously emotional heading into this one, being that um, their their longtime owner, Ed Snyder, passed away earlier in the week. So the Flyers obviously wanted to get a good start off uh, for their fans, and they actually got the start that they wanted. Uh, Michael Roffel able to score 57 seconds into the game. And then after that, the, the Capitals kind of took over. Uh, three minutes later, the Capitals would get a – a key goal on the power play. Carlson once again shot the puck from the point. Uh, it was actually tipped by Marcus Johansson in front of the net, so the game was quickly tied up. Uh, then in the second period, uh, the Flyers were able to – they began the period on the power play, but they didn't convert on it. About halfway through, Alex Ovechkin tallied, and so it was 2-1 to one caps at that point. And then the third period – all heck broke loose. Uh, so about two minutes in, Justin Williams uh, decides to try to rim the puck around the stanchion or try to rim the puck around the boards. It comes, it takes a funny hop off the stanchion, goes right in front of Steve Mason, and then it bounced right to Evgeny Kuznetsov's stick, and Kuznetsov basically did a little Duke move, and, and it's in past Steve Mason at that point. So the Caps were up three I to one. I don't know where that puck went. I I've seen many replays and I I can't find the puck. I don't know where it came from. It was again. It was like the the bounce that happened in game two, just kind of a fluky bounce. But hey, it went the Capitals' way, and all the Capitals fans were rejoicing. Um, and then uh, about six minutes later, Carlson was hit, able to tie, uh, able to tally his third power play goal of the series. Uh, then all heck kind of broke loose. The Flyers begun losing their cool. Uh, Pierre Edouard Belmar boarded Dmitry Orlov. It, uh, it was not a good penalty, and he'll probably face some sort of suspension for it. But the Capitals were able to get a long power play. Ovechkin tallied again, and then Jay Beagle would actually tally late in the game. So the Capitals were up up six to one, which ended up being the final. But uh, the Flyers did not have a good showing on their ice. Uh, let's just say the fans did not take it well and begun littering the ice as, as the game kind of got near its close. So, George, let's recount uh, a little earlier in the game, as Craig pointed out. We've got, a, we've got an important injury we've got to deal with on the Capitals now, and courtesy of a Ryan White hit, um, Brooks Orpik looks like he may be out for an extended period of time. The Capitals are listing it as an upper body injury, uh, inside sources saying he was uh, um, he's under the concussion protocol right now and uh, he may not head back uh, onto the ice for quite a while. So we got the win 6-1. to one. I think it was an impressive showing by the Caps. Uh, a great deal of uh, courage by the Caps to not get in these little fights and scraps. Good job by Tom Wilson to not retaliate on any of these ugly hits. Um, Again, this this is you know back to Barry Trotz making sure the Caps stick to the script. 
but you know those fans in Philadelphia, they they seem to love to to cheer when a guy's down on the ice. Uh, Orpic looks like he's uh, has no idea where he is. Um, you know, it was a mostly clean hit. I think Ryan White came in hands and stick up high. The body contact against the boards is what rattled Orpic the most. Um, it was not there was no penalty called on the hit. Um, unlike the Orpic hit, I mean, on the, excuse me, the Orlov hit by uh, Belomar, which ended up in him being ejected from the game. Um, so Gabe, what do you think about Orpik being out for a while and who would you put in instead? I think we should play I think we should be playing Mike Weber if Orpik can't go because Mike Weber brings that physical presence. Uh, he'll be there for any scrums that Philadelphia might bring to the next game since they don't have much to play for. Um, he's a more physical player than Taylor Chorney, so I would I'd put him in there. Craig, do you agree with me? Absolutely. I think this is going to show where how great the management was in planning for something like this by uh, bringing in Weber as your security blanket um, just in case one of our key players go out. So I think um, having that foresight to have somebody like that waiting in the wings um, is now going to pay off. George, do you see – let's go to that oil off head. George, do you see Bellamar being suspended for the rest of the series, rest of the playoffs? Uh, yes, I do. I think he'll probably get uh, somewhere in the vicinity, or at least he should, hit somewhere in the vicinity of two to three games for the hit. Uh, it was a hit that did not need to be made, and he could have easily pulled up. I mean, he, he saw Orloff's numbers from a distance, and, and he probably could have easily pulled up, but he chose not to, and you know he, he gave him a very forceful shove to the boards, and and that's going to be called every time. The NHL is really trying to crack down on hits of that nature, and he will probably face some sort of supplementary discipline from the from the NHL on this one. Scott, uh, do you? I, I I'm sure you probably are in agreement on this one too. I completely agree with you, George. I think three games is going to be uh, the minimum here for Belmar. I mean, he's not a. This will not be a repeat offender for him. This is his first time he's going to get suspended. But I counted three full strides with his eyes on Orpik, on Orlov's number nine. That's three full NHL length skating strides with your eyes on a guy's number. And he still followed through the check with his hands and stick neck to boards. And this harkens back to a, an injury in college hockey years ago. For those of you who know Travis Roy, uh, young kid, great hockey skill set in his first shift ever uh, uh, in college hockey. He hit his neck into the boards just like that, and he's a quadriplegic, unfortunately. I, I cringed when I saw Orlov hit the boards in that manner. I didn't think he was getting up. And the fact that he, he got up, he was able to go to the bench on his own power, he was a little worse for wear, kind of face into the boards, a couple, couple nicks and scrapes, and that one uh, fan that threw a bracelet in his face while he was getting attended to. Uh, that was just uncalled for, but you know, knock on wood, thank God, you know, tip one over to the hockey gods on that one that he wasn't hurt and was able to shake it off and finish the game. Um, I just think that's just awful. It's just an awful thing to do to the NHL on a nationally televised playoff game to have a player commit that sort of foul. Yeah, it was very, very dangerous play, and we're thankful that Orlov is not hurt. It's it's an almost a miracle. Yeah, it's very scary. All right, let's get some. Let's get to something lighter. I saw a really good tweet last night, guys, from this blog called Sons of Penn. There's Philly sports blog. Oh no. They tweeted, 
if you're going to throw something on the ice, make it a player who can shoot and score. <laughs> okay. I'll that was good. That. that was good. That's good. That's good. And I, I heard a knock knock joke too. All right, you ready for it? Yes. Knock knock. Who's there? Who's there? Owen. Owen who? Owen three Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, that was such a dad joke. I love you, Scott. Nothing's <laughs> <laughs> better than good than good hockey when the Caps are up three games to none on Philadelphia. <laughs> All right. Yes, they are. Let's go to some other series out west. So San Jose, surprisingly, is up 2-1 to one over the Kings. Um, Scott, do you think the Kings are going to be able to come back and win that one? Uh, I thought this was going to be uh, an easier series for the Kings, but now I see them pulling off the usual go down two games to none and then win in seven. I mean, it's what the Kings do in the playoffs, right? They, uh, they dig themselves a big hole, and they come back and they win in overtime in game seven. So... I'm looking forward to that being a, a gritty, grinding series. And Tanner Pearson had a nice goal last night to uh, actually make the series a, a real, a real competition. I mean, obviously going down 3-0 would have stunk for them, but yeah, I mean, they just need to get some more scoring opportunities on Martin Jones, and they'll be fine. Seven games, Kings. I'm calling it. Craig, what do you think about Nashville up 2-0 over Anaheim? The Ducks were definitely favored in that one too. So, do you think they're going to be able to come back and win that series? Yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised by that. But but look at the scores for the previous two games. We're only talking about one goal. It's kind of like the, the Kings-Sharks. Each of those games is only one goal difference. So it, it's one of those things. It's what, who's going to show up? Who's going to get that extra goal um, going in? Um, I still see Anaheim coming back a little bit here. George, give me your pick for the Blues-Blackhawks series. Blues are up 2-1. to one. Chicago's actually lucky to not be down. Rio. Yes, they are, and uh, I, I'm still gonna go with the Blackhawks. That's my original pick in, ga- uh, in seven games, but uh, the Blues have actually gotten. I mean, they've received pretty good goaltending from Brian Elliott in the series, and I think that's been a major key factor for them. And uh, I, that's why I see this series going going seven games. Uh, Brian Elliott was spectacular in Game Three. He made 44 saves. But I'm still going with Chicago just due to the experience. They have the experience factor. They've been there before. They know how to win. Chicago in seven games, but it is going to be a very tight, close series the rest of the way. It's been tight for the first three games for sure. So if the Caps take care of business in game four or any other game, they're going to play the winner of New York and Pittsburgh, and they're all tied up at one. Scott, who who do you have winning that series? Uh, Like I said, I think it's going to be Pittsburgh. I think Redemption Road means the Capitals go through all their old enemies. Uh, doesn't matter. I mean, Rangers and Penguins are pretty uh, much arch rivals of ours. But I see it being Pittsburgh. And like you said, if they uh, bring out the brooms tomorrow night, you would have heard it first here from me. Last week, I said statement series, Washington Capitals. And I, I'm loving what the Caps have been doing so far. Scott, you said Caps and you said five. I did say five, but you also you also heard me say the Caps can sweep Flyers, yeah. and this should be a steep series. So as much as I don't want Philly to win a game at home in their building and have to have it go back to Verizon to nail their coffin, I was I, I said I was giving the Flyers some charity of one game. <laughs> charity. Sure. Real no quick, one. really quick, Craig. What's your pick for New York and Pittsburgh? Has it changed? I, 
I, I don't have one. I mean, I watched the other t- the first games. I'm like, you know, if, what we have Pittsburgh five, Rangers two in the first game, then Rangers four, Pittsburgh two. It's going back and forth. I'm hoping that it will go uh, seven games, which would make it April 27th. If we sweep, that gives us a week off to recover. We we've had a beat down. Game three, there was 46 hits against us against our 20 some so i mean we're a little bloody out there we're fighting but we could use some recovery time um i'm hoping it'll go seven games to give us that week off but um i don't know i i, I watch the games it, it it depends on who shows up i'm hoping pittsburgh I'm, I'm with scott on that george would you rather see the caps play new york or pittsburgh i would rather see the capitals probably play new york at this at this time I feel the Rangers window is shutting and it just, I believe the Capitals, New York has been their most recent demon in the, you know, in their, in the playoffs. And it it would have to just be fitting for the Capitals. If they're going to go to the Stanley cup final, it would just be so fitting for the Capitals to beat the Rangers along the way and exercise that demon. He choked more three to one series leads against Pittsburgh than New York in the history of the Capitals in the playoffs. So either way, Redemption Road. Yes. Lundquist in the the playoffs scares me. So, I I mean, I think we can can beat any team in the league, but Lundquist does scare me a little bit. More than Fleury. He showed up on game two. Yeah, he did. Big time. So. We got this guy named Ovechkin who doesn't seem to be rattled by anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Let's end on a high note. Let's end with that. Uh, thank you all for listening so much. This has been the uh, podcast brought to you by the fine people at Nova Caps. Find us online at novacaps.com or on one of our social media outlets, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week, everyone. Go Caps. Let's go Caps!